Habits and Health, Episode 76. Welcome to the Habits and Health Podcast, where we believe creating healthy habits should be easy. Brought to you by an educator and coach for anyone who wants to create a healthier life. Here's your host, Tony Winyard. Welcome to another edition of Habits and Health. My guest today is Joe Surety. She's a lifestyle and wellness coach. And she works both one-to-one with individuals and also with company employees. And her focus is on working with them to help them build resilience so they can navigate changes and challenges in life in a healthier way. And she also works doing workshops and delivers talks in to businesses and organizations. So the conversation is all around how health coaching tends to work in corporate environments and health and wellness programs in corporate environments and just some other discussions about health coaching in general. So that's this week's episode with Joe Shorty. Habits and Health, my guest today is Joanna Shorty. How are you doing, Joe? Hi, Tony. Good, thank you. And I imagine there's always a bit of mirth when you say where you're from. <laughs> A little bit. So I have to caveat it by introducing it. So I am from a place called where. <laughs> if I just say I'm from where, that causes confusion. No I can imagine, yeah. <laughs> and, and understandably as well. Exactly. <laughs> and how long have you been in where? Do you know the Abbott and Costello sketch about who's where? on one? <laughs> where? How long have you been in where for? Where? I have lived in where for, oh, about 15 years now. So originally from North London and moved out when I met my partner. He lived in Hertfordshire at the time. So moved out to the sticks, as they say, from the city, from the big smoke. (laughs) And how do you prefer being out in in the sticks or miss London? (laughs) I think when I moved out, I was mid-20s. So I definitely missed London. And I was still working in London. I was there most of the time. And weekends, all my friends were still in London. So I was pretty much just sleeping back out in Hertfordshire. But I think as I got a bit older and I've got a family now and a dog, the green space is quite nice. And I can't say I necessarily miss London. My my parents have now moved out from London to Hertfordshire as well. So you're a health coach. That's correct. So anyone listening who maybe isn't quite sure, what an, what, what is a health coach? Or, or, or maybe more more rather than what is a health coach, how is your role as a health coach? Yeah, so I think my role really is giving people that time and space to really think about their performance, the way that they feel, the energy they have, the motivation they have, and the things they're doing to create that. Often we'll have coaching for maybe career progression or sport or something like that that's very specific. And really that person's role is to help that person with the time, the space, the challenge around that particular area. And I think for me, there's loads of different areas that I come up against when I'm health coaching. It can be very much lifestyle specific, can be somebody that is really struggling to find time. Time is probably the biggest factor to fit in a bit of movement or to eat well or to all of those things. And my role is to give them that focus and that time and that space to plan for that and to start to build those habits in. And that can be really confusing. People, I don't know what works for me. I don't know what to eat and all of that kind of stuff. And a coach is not there to tell you what to eat because your body, your circumstances are all unique. Give you that time and that focus to really think about what's important for you and how best to start moving forward with that. 
So that's lifestyle. But there's also the way that we interact with people, how from things like, I don't know, people that feel worried about delegating or people that say yes to everything, people pleasing. I see that a lot in the corporate sector where I I work predominantly. And, you know, although that's not necessarily, you wouldn't say, oh, that's affecting my health. It absolutely does because it increases your stress and the way then you cope with that stress often isn't the best way. So health and well-being can often be focused on diet and movement and things like that. But actually coaching enables the person to deal with the root cause of either what stops them having the time or what causes the kind of reaction or coping in terms of lifestyle. So yeah, it's either the chicken or the egg. We either start at the cause or we look at what's happening. You mentioned then that you do predominantly corporate coaching. Are you ever working in a corporate environment, but one-on-one with someone? And how different is that to working one-on-one with someone in a non-corporate environment? Not, Not a great deal, to be honest. I guess more often than not, in a corporate environment, when I go in, it's often because a manager or HR or someone has asked me to talk to someone in their business. So it often comes from someone else, whereas when somebody's approaching me directly, it's motivated from them. There's a kind of slightly different barrier or a slightly different kind of purchasing process that we go through in the corporate sector. Mm. So there's a level of permission that comes from dealing with the corporate sector than it is with an individual kind of finding me on Facebook or whatever or hearing me or or finding my website and saying I'd like to work with that person in the corporate sector often a permission is having to be granted for somebody to to work with me so it's slightly different in that sense but how I then work once we get to that point is pretty much the same it's pretty much the same and is the corporate environment, is it usually one-to-one or group or is it a real mix? I've never found a way of coaching group. <laughs> it just, it really doesn't, I can't make that work for me. And I know some great coaches that do group programs that work really well, but I find that I've never got an ability to make it work for me. So all of my coaching is one-to-one in the corporate sector. Saying that, I do some talks in the corporate sector, which often, you know, I did one yesterday. It was to over 200 people. And I have, over lockdown, developed a couple of workshops that I do into companies. And that would be for kind of small groups. And there's an element of coaching in there. But the kind of traditional coach group coaching where you take people through a kind of process I can't I can't quite reconcile for me I love working with that person on a one-to-one and I found that people are perhaps a little bit more open when dealing with that yeah and I think because all of my clients are slightly different I can't quite work out how to make coaching group work when you're not following a kind of formula yeah one-to-one it's, it's what suits me in the last couple of years, there's obviously been enormous challenges on from a health perspective globally. Mm. Do you see any change in the attitude from companies to providing some kind of health and wellness programs for their employees? Has anything changed at all? Well, my background's HR. <laughs> so if I go back to my HR days, masses, mental health, anything around that companies used to be absolutely scared to death of. And occup- I remember when occupational health became a little bit more involved in not somebody that's broken their leg or whatever and you help them back into the office. 
I think comp- certainly in my HR role, if somebody with a mental health kind of issue used to be, oh my goodness, how the hell are we going to deal with this one? And you would rely really heavily on the advice of experts. And I think those kind of more personal conversations people would shy away from. It would scare a lot of people. And I can recall back in the day when I first started out, you know, early 2000s, if people talked about their problems at home or personal stuff, you'd be like, oh, goodness, that person's right problem. <laughs> Works work, homes for home, do not merge them. Right. So I've definitely seen a shift in that. And I think before, there's always, we always talk before lockdown and after lockdown. There was a world before we all locked down. And I think that mental health conversation was starting to trickle into companies. And I think it mainly formed kind of wellness days or wellness weeks or mental health month and things like that. And it became a little bit more kind of awareness raising as a way of changing culture and making it okay and you saw quite a lot of leaders come out and talk about maybe some of their struggles and I think you see a celebrity drop of a hat a celebrity's got a blooming mental health problem and it it became a little bit kind of everyone was talking about it but I don't know again that the shift in companies really knowing how to deal with it was there I think they thought let's just chuck a load of information at people and hopefully some of it will stick And then, of course, lockdown happened. And I think um, I definitely saw a shift with companies talking about how can we help everybody at once who suddenly it's affecting them in some way. And I think that shift I saw was the realisation that supporting employees and keeping that level of engagement was really important to the success of a business because suddenly you can't see everybody. They're behind a screen. You can see like the bits of their head and that's it. And a manager that's suddenly got 20 or 200 people that aren't in the same location as him or her and can't spot those signs suddenly feels the need to reach out to everybody all the time to find out how they are. Now, how are you really? No, how are you really? And that's incredibly difficult. So I think... The shift for us as health coaches has been that companies are now really valuing the support that coaching and those kind of things can add in terms of filling that gap a little bit and giving those people and those individuals that support that they need that maybe the company can't do everything and sometimes you need professionals to come in. So I'm definitely seeing a shift from very much telling through to how if people need it, how can we support them? and providing that support to those individuals. And so when you mentioned mental health, so is that more a case of you're generally helping people reduce stress and anxiety? Or what if someone's issues are deeper than that? There's a line that always, if somebody has a need for some kind of medical intervention, then that's beyond my realm. And I wouldn't necessarily go there. But when I've worked, I'm working with somebody at the moment who has been off with stress and they've had counselling and they've had medication and they've been off sick for periods of time. And so certain things they've dealt with and they understand why, where it comes from, understand kind of some of that stuff. But what they've not changed is their habits at work. So they're still piling on that pressure on themselves by the actions, the decisions that they're making. So no one's tackled that. Counselling, they understand where it comes from, but they haven't actually dealt with the behaviours that they're doing and the things they're saying yes to. And so as a coach, I'm not tackling, I'm not counselling them. 
I'm looking at what they're doing and where their pressure is and where the stress is being caused. And let's look at how we can build some different behaviors or different habits around what you're doing so that you have the headspace, so that you're making the right calls, so that you're questioning. And so the cause of the stress is being dealt with rather than necessarily the kind of the medication to balance their their hormones or whatever. That's not for me. But if I can help somebody with actually what they're doing to contribute to that, then that's where I come in. So are there ever conflicts in the demands the company places on the people, the clients or their employees that you're working with, which maybe you need them or you're suggesting that they work less, but the company's giving them demands where they're having to feel like they have to work all the time? Yeah, 100%. But I think there's a two-way responsibility with that. So if somebody asks you for something, do you have to say yes every time? Even if you feel that you should or you have to, where does that feeling come from? I've seen lots of companies go, oh, no one works at lunchtime. Everyone has a break. There's plenty of people that I talk to that do work lunchtime and do have a break because there's always a ton of stuff to do. Mm. But the company goes, no, we recognize that lunch. Whose fault is that? Right. So if you're only looking for a, if you're looking for a company to be managing everything you take on and everything you say yes to and everything you respond to, is that right or wrong? Personally, I would say that we have the right and we have the ability to say no. But there's plenty of people that don't feel that they can or should or are able to. Right. And again, you could say that's your company's fault or you could say, well, actually, that's something you should be able to change. Now, that sounds very altruistic on a beautiful world, but ultimately most companies, there's negotiation that goes on. There is the ability to say, I can't do that right now. I've got to. There's always priorities to be attended to. So does that mean that every time someone says that's a priority for you, that you have to do everything that then adds into that list? Or do you say, if I do that, actually, I can't do that? Or I have a break now and I need to do it because if I don't, I'm not going to have the energy to do this stuff this afternoon. Hmm. Or I have to take time to plan or I have to take time to strategize. I don't know, whatever. If we don't, if we don't take responsibility for some of it, then of course your to-do list is always going to be growing. You're just going to be a dumping ground for people to, to give you stuff to do. And you can't just say the company. Generally, it's management. Generally, it's leadership. And most people that run businesses are constantly driving for improvement, sales, whatever. But our role is surely to contribute to those decisions and to push back where we need to. I'm curious as to, you said before that a company may call you in and, or the manager maybe, as you just said, wants you to work with certain of his, his employees. How does that conversation go? So, oh, you need to go and see John. He's in a right. How does that all come about? Yeah, I've never had that one. <laughs> the example I gave you earlier was somebody that had gone off with stress and I was already working into that business. So a manager approached me and said, look, we've got an employee. He's been off twice. He's had counseling and he's already putting his hand up to say he's struggling again. And I've talked to him about you and he'd be interested in having a chat. So we have a chat and, and we end up working together. Quite often, I'll go in and do a workshop or a talk. So managers will say, look, we've got a really busy time coming up and we're going to put things in place for people to 
you know, have a bit of time, but actually there's that personal responsibility as well. So could you come in and just talk about the importance of resilience or some tips that people can do? Let's get the conversation going. And from that, if anybody feels that they'd like some sessions with you to actually think about what that means for them, then fine. So it can be less about you need a health coach (laughs) and more about, look, these are the things this is how we're going to manage this time but if you feel that you need maybe a bit of help or somebody to work with over that period of time then joanna's there for you to speak to so it, it can be a little bit more subtle than that so the talk you did yesterday so it is that likely to result in some of the people that attended the talk maybe wanting to work with you or asking their super supervisor would i be able to have some sessions with Jamie? would that kind of thing happen yeah, generally, if I'm doing like a cut, this one, yes, there was for 200 or people. So this was more of an information giving session. But I have had managers, I've got a couple of managers who I work with in a big corporate bank. And over this pandemic period, they've had all their employees come from in the office to now being remotely. And what they're seeing is a real kind of mixed bag of those that are coping really well and others that are that have really struggled with it. And so what they've said is, look, come in and do a couple of workshops with our team so we can look at what's working well, what we're we struggling with, where's the areas maybe. And some of that stuff, as a team, they can tackle, they can deal with it as a team. But there's other areas that are a bit more personal or a bit more specific, like how do I manage my time? I'm really struggling with this online world. I'm never getting up off my desk. I'm never moving. My, my eating's gone completely short. I used to come into the office and I used to cycle to the office and do this and I'd go for a walk at lunchtime, doing none of that. And actually, I can't quite work out my head how to do it because I've got this massive to-do list, this massive pile of work, day-to-day Zoom meetings that I can't get out of. And when they talk about this stuff and companies can go, oh, yeah, but you can take uh, a lunch break and we allow it. But actually, that person just can't quite adjust to this new way of working. And if I go in and do that, there'll be people that will go, actually, just talking it through as a team is enough. We've worked out some stuff. And there'll be others there that will go, yeah, I know what I should be doing, but I can't quite step over that line and actually get to do it. So maybe working with someone where I can just focus on that for a bit of time, just have a bit of space and a bit of thinking time to really talk that through and what is my challenge And for me to help them with that, moving it forward and making those changes is where I can help. Are you working across many sort of different industries or is it in a particular industry? Quite a few different industries. Financial sector is probably the main area that I work into, but I've got pharmaceutical. I've got a couple of more kind of technology type based businesses even in the financial sector my main clients are on that technology side and again you'd think everyone's just worth used to working online but actually collaboration for them is, is the biggie now they're collaborating online and so actually that the world of seven hours of zoom or ms teams has not gone away has not gone away again adjusting to that new way of working and not having those mental breaks those physical breaks fueling your body properly it's just starting to creak a little bit people are starting to feel tired motivation is waning sleep is suffering still i probably get asked to do a talk on sleep the most (laughs) whilst 
when we all went into this kind of new way of working, it was always like, oh, we just get on through, it'll be fine because it will come out the other end and we'll all go back to what we did before. And of course, we haven't really. Some companies have gone back to what they did before, but there's this halfway house of some people wanting to, some people not. So it's really uncertain. And I think people are still in a little bit of limbo, which uncertainty is no good for our stress or our levels because we feel out of control. What is the most enjoyable part of what you do? Oh, there's loads. <laughs> I think just getting to know everyone is so different and what they want is so different. But I love the variety. When I first qualified, I worked a lot. People, my natural instinct was to work with people that wanted to lose weight for some reason because I'm fascinated by food and nutrition and all that kind of stuff. And I started working with people that wanted that and I just found it so samey tell me what to eat I'll eat it and I'll lose the weight and it was the same kind of conversations all the time and I soon got a bit bored of that but when it comes to stress and that kind of that that whole subject it's just so varied as to why and so really getting to the bottom of it and uncovering it I find fascinating what motivates people what drives people some of the people that I've worked with I've got the most amazing jobs they're in the most high-powered jobs they're making incredible decisions and yet they've got some like imposter syndrome or something you look at them you think I would never ever or they feel terrible they have no confidence in themselves and yet they put this mask on every single day and I'm really fortunate when I work with someone that for me, that trust and that relationship is super important. But mm. when you chip away at that a little bit and you get to know that real person and all their insecurities, I'm blown away by it because I'm like, really? You're seriously amazing and where you've got to. And yet we still carry this. I find that people still carry that kind of baggage with them. And I think when you work with someone on that and they either learn to accept it and it doesn't bother them anymore that's amazing but equally when people when you can work someone through it and actually it becomes a non-issue and you see them flying and they come back to you the next time and go yeah, I'm just doing this stuff not automatically how the hell was I coping and existing that way before so suddenly when it becomes a new way of working is just what they do and you see the joy or the happiness or the fact that they're just smashing it at work and promotions and all of that kind of stuff and doing what they love that to me is just I just love that you can't beat it we hope you are enjoying this episode of the habits and health podcast where we believe creating healthy habits should be easy if you know a friend or loved one who might be interested in learning simple habits to improve their health please share this podcast with them. We also invite you to subscribe and leave us a review on your favorite podcast app. Now back to the show. Is there a, a client that comes to mind who you were really able to help and they, they just had an, an amazing turnaround or result? Quite, there's been quite a few. And I think sometimes the results are minor. They're little things that people really get on top of but most recently the gentleman I was working with he'd really 
been suffering with overwhelm and stress, not sleeping, definitely not looking after himself and just working in a way that really wasn't very productive for him or his colleagues. And really all we looked at was his decision making around saying yes (laughs) to work. (laughs) That was it. That's all we did. And just by him changing his behavior around giving himself a bit of time to consider things, all of a sudden, it wasn't that he was saying no, but he was taking on stuff in the right way. And often he was sharing it out with his colleagues before he would take stuff on and just it would sit with him. It would He'd mull over it. It would keep him awake at night. Two weeks later, nothing would happen because he was just paralyzed with what to do. But he could not stop himself saying yes. He wanted to help everybody. He wanted to please everything. He wanted to be successful with that stuff. And actually, all that was happening was he was just racking up a load of stuff, baggage, whatever you want to call it. And just by actually looking at what he had on his plate and saying, let's tackle each thing individually. To get rid of that, what have you got to do? Mm. And we almost worked through each single thing until he'd come back two weeks later and he dealt with everything. And that sounds quite simple, but for him to do that, was it was quite, there was quite a lot of anxiety around that mm. because he felt he'd said yes. And then all of a sudden he felt he was saying no. And people would question, well, why have you said no now? You've had it for a month or whatever, and it's gone nowhere. So we had to talk through some of that. But once he started to, to do it, he almost became, got rid of everything. No, he didn't. He started to say, right, actually, I don't have to say yes to everything. What I do need to do is say, okay, I can do that, but I need to know these things before I do. And so what he learned to do was just consider the way that he was working, the way that he was delegating, the way that he was engaging with his team to help with that workload. And again, I think when people are in a certain position, they don't want to necessarily look weak by asking for help. And so we had to tackle some of that stuff. But now he he's just got promoted. His managers aren't worrying about him all the time and how much workload they give him because he's able to push back and he's able to question. His team are much happier because actually they're getting some development because he's not keeping everything for himself. He went on his first holiday in two years where he didn't worry about work because nothing was stuck with him. Whereas before he went on holiday, everything could be sat with him. And so to sit there and hand over to someone just would have been a disaster. So he would take it with him and work on holiday. Although it was a real simple thing, to deal with when you look back at it and it took us a couple of months to work through that actually now he just works in a completely different way completely different and he's had I've stayed with him even when he's been working really well because we knew there would be bumps in the road we knew there would be times when things would be really busy and he'd be naturally gravitating to go back to his old ways and actually he hasn't so our relationship has run its course he's good to go and that's mm-hmm. fabulous. And so would I be right in assuming that most of the clients you're working with on in a corporate environment is quite short term generally? Yeah, I say that. But then I've got a couple of clients that I've worked with for more than six months. I've got a, a, a lady that I've worked with for a long period of time. It's It depends on what it is as to the time frame. And you never know how quickly someone's going to work through their things. But generally three months to six months maybe is common with the gentleman I just said we tackled that and then we looked at lifestyle that was secondary whereas some other people it might be sleep is really bad 
or mm. something else. So we might start there, but more often than not, we end up with the what's causing, what's keeping you awake at night. Right. <laughs> Let's tackle that. So sometimes people just need a couple of sessions where they just almost work it through. And then there's others that need a bit more handholding and a bit more support with maybe changing some of those behaviours that are a little bit more ingrained or a little bit more scary to change as a little bit more resistance they want to but it's really hard for them so short term and long it's it's there's no again there's no magic formula to numbers to act to how long and is there any particular issue that seems to often take much longer i think when it take i think when people have been in their roles for a long period of time and have behaved or been successful by certain ingrained habits or behaviors when it suddenly doesn't fit into a new company or a new role that can take a little bit of time to change because I think I find that people although they want to leave it behind they identify themselves with the person that always does everything or the one that everyone can rely on and so to change that can feel like people will suddenly think badly of you or don't care so often it's more about what they think others will think of them and it can take a bit of time to change that and to have the confidence to do it so I think those behaviors those limiting kind of beliefs or those things that we think others will think of us those negative feelings will often take a little bit longer and even if people start to change when again, like if a new person comes into that team or a challenge comes on, they'll revert back to their old behavior. So to really embed something, you do sometimes have to stay with people, even if it's a little bit more lighter touch for a little bit longer, just to give them that chance for it to embed. From some of the answers that you give me to some of the questions I've been posing, a lot of what you've been doing is very along the lines of a life coach, business coach. I'm wondering (laughs) if any of the client's Maybe you're surprised, but they're expecting a health coach to be, they've got maybe blinkers on and they think, oh, it's just going to be about helping me with headaches or whatever it is. But you're helping (laughs) them in many other areas that maybe they wouldn't or they surprised them maybe. Yeah, I think because my area, you have to tackle what's causing the stress and it might be relationship, it might be workload. There's no point in me saying to people, go for a lovely lunchtime walk and suddenly your stress will melt away or have a really, all of those things will really help. Mm. But I can't say Siebel, have a great night's sleep magically and your stress will go away. We know that lifestyle is so fundamental to, to how we manage stress, but often it's a chicken and an egg. And I personally find that if you're not tackling the thing that's causing the stress, me talking about what you're doing lifestyle wise they come hand in hand often the guy was stressed i we i was encouraging him to take breaks to think when he's thinking about what he says yes or no to get outside go for a walk and do it or stop for lunch and sit there and write your list of what you've got to do so it's in there i'm not saying that all i'm dealing with is that stuff it's in there because it goes hand in hand it's not one is better than the other they're both together if i'm dealing with somebody that say like the chap i was talking about that just takes on everything okay he was spending no time away from his desk and he was working late into the night so for me i'm thinking how can i help him set some boundaries because he's not switching off to go to sleep Mm. so 
he has to do that if he really wants to improve his sleep. I can't say to him, just suddenly switch off at six o'clock. Turn your laptop off. Yeah, okay, do that. But his mind's still whirring away. So the lifestyle stuff that, that comes in to to the life and it is a little bit of life coaching as well and how people just happens but actually it comes hand in hand because what I want people to realize is those things that they start to do with their lifestyle like what they're eating like how they're moving like connections with their families and their friends and hobbies and all of that stuff is a tool in making them much more high performing in their jobs it's not one or the other they're just they're there in terms of habits for your own life what habits can you think of that have been really impactful for you oh loads exercise for me is something i've done since i was a kid if i could be outside in a park hanging upside down from a tree or throwing myself off something or running or whatever that i'd be doing it and i still work out four or five times a week and genuinely i say this people roll their eyes i love it I absolutely love it. I can't imagine not doing it. When I go on holiday, I work out. I have a trainer and we box and we do weights. And I just love the challenge of working out. I have no problem motivating myself to stick my trainers on and go for a run. At some point in the week, I'm not that kind of army sergeant that goes, oh, I must go at six o'clock in the morning or whatever. But during the week, if I look back, there'll be at least four bits of exercise that I've done because I just crave it. So for me, that's thinking time. That's time when my best ideas come to me. It's a time when if I've been sat at my desk for hours, actually just I crave getting outside and moving my body. So exercise is one thing. Reading before bed. Oh, my God. That is just if I'm struggling to get sleep, grab a book, read a few pages and I'm... Is there a certain type of book that you prefer to read at that kind of just before bed? I'm not. I read. I looked at my book list the other day. I read about 20 books a year, somewhere around that. Lockdown, I was like a demon. I was constantly reading. I like a bit of everything. I like not too scary, but I like thrillers. So I like the trilogy, The Girl That Kicked the Hornet's Nest and those ones. I love that trilogy. I like biographies. I like historical stuff. I'm not too into the kind of King Henry VIII and the kind of courtyards and all that kind of stuff. I'm not really into sci-fi or anything like that. Fiction and kind of biographies. I'm quite interested in people, so I do like a biography. I generally don't read any worky type, coachy type stuff at night time. I find that really (laughs) doesn't doesn't do me any favour. So I avoid that stuff. So your company is, because there's more than just you from what I gather in your company, and is it? Is it mostly just doing corporate stuff or is there anything else apart from health coaching that you do? Me personally, no. But Dan, so my husband, Danny, he's been coaching now for over 15 years. So he started the business and he was a one-man band for many years. He works into pretty much 90% of his coaching is into corporates and he does future leader stuff. So he's much more on that skill delegation and things like that. My career was very HR. So for 18 years, I was an H- I was HRD eventually and ran a business software company with a, the business owner before I became a health coach. And I studied for about eight months to do my qualification and then became a health coach and then 
joined the business, joined right. Dan's business. And I really didn't want to work into the corporate sector. It wasn't something I really thought about. I didn't really think that health coaching would be something that companies would be even remotely interested in offering to their team. So I was working very much one-to-one, which, you know, was a lot of work and effort to get one-to-one clients. And I did that over the first couple of years. And then lockdown just opened the floodgates because Dan would have clients that were struggling with sleep or with energy and would talk to him about just being really tired and burnt out and whatever. And he'd say to him, well, why don't you have a couple of sessions with Joe? And then we went, hold on a minute, we're getting asked more and more about employees that are feeling that kind of burnout. Look, stress is part of everyday life, but it's when it becomes a problem, when it becomes your sleep, suffering, or all those things. When everything's great, keeping your resilience high is really easy because life just swims along. You probably go out, you do a bit of a lunchtime walk, you definitely make yourself something nice for lunch. It everything's wonderful and then when it gets really hard so all of a sudden you can't see people you can't go to the office you have to talk to everyone on zoom all of a sudden all those things that keep you resilient are the very things that you drop i won't go for my lunchtime walk because i'm too busy or i'll have my body weight in bourbon biscuits and half a ton of coffee to get me through the afternoon not i won't stop for something we just lose all of that and that is okay if it's every now and then if you have over a couple of weeks and a couple of months something starts to happen our bodies become drained of energy we start to find it harder and harder to switch off and so Dan was starting to see a lot of his clients talking about some of that stuff. Naturally, (laughs) I stepped in there. And so now we work quite closely together. We have a lot of clients that are the same clients, but we just work with people on a, from a slightly different start point. And can you see that growing? Are there going to be, do you think you'll need more health coaches because there's, because of the clients you've already got need more Um, and more help? We don't have any grand plans to grow our business in that way. I've run a business and the reason I went to work for myself was because I didn't want to manage people anymore and have that pressure. So we find that we're in a really fortunate position that we've now got fairly established and we've got some nice clients. And often we might not be the right fit for people. So our communities that we know and the people that we collaborate with, we do that more than we do say we want to employ other people into our business. We work. I work in partnership with another couple of kind of health coaching type organisations and they might do one bit and I come in and do the coaching. So... For me, that's a really nice way to grow the business without having to have the overhead and the added responsibility of other people and being responsible for them. So mm. unlikely is my answer to that. I never say never, but unlikely. <laughs> and so health coaches is still quite a new thing in the UK and globally as well. How do you see health coaching changing and the attitude or perception towards health coaches changing in the next few years? I think I'm seeing quite a, a big change actually. Whereas before, I guess my, the last couple of years, my, I'd be approached about people that were maybe sh- at that point of struggle. I'm now starting to have the conversation with companies about putting in some preventative things for people before they go through before they get to that point Mm. and I think companies are starting to recognize that 
the stuff they do up front with their employees, whether that be giving them skills or the right kind of team set up. Often when you plan for something, a project or whatever, you look at the resources you've got, you look at what you've got to deliver, the client, all of that kind of stuff. I'm starting to see people say to me, can you come in and deal with this cohort? And can we put some things in place where they can put some practices or whatever in place so that when they go into this change period or this big project, they're already thinking about it? Which for me is fabulous Mm. because I'm not dealing with somebody that's, you might deal with the same kind of mindset stuff and whatever, but actually you're dealing with it before it Mm. gets to that point, which is an awful lot easier to to tackle i had a conversation the other day with a construction company that have got a graduate intake and they find that their retention of graduates is pretty poor once they finish they go or part way through because the hours they work and all of those kind of things and what they want to do is try and support those people through that process so they keep them Mm. so they're talking to me about being a coach for them through that time around lifestyle, how they're looking after themselves, how they're managing their workloads, etc. That is unheard of, really. So Mm. I've never come up, you know, no one's ever asked me that before. So I think if companies start to think about well-being of their staff up front when it comes to planning and things like that, then Mm. I think that will be how it just becomes part of the conversation rather than a sticking plaster. And that will require a lot more health coaches because if many companies start forward thinking along those lines it will require a lot more yeah i think health coaching is one part of that but i think when you start to work with individuals they naturally spread that (laughs) that support and that knowledge i've worked with quite a lot of managers and directors actually that once they start to think about how they work and what they're doing they become a little bit evangelical about it and actually They start to embed those practices with their teams. Mm. They start to ask those questions up front. So naturally, the culture starts to change. That doesn't mean to say you don't have the odd person or one or two people that maybe need that little bit more one-to-one support. If it's driven from the senior team who I've worked with, often it just naturally embeds. I've got people that go, I used to work like this and I don't want that for my teams. They start to talk to their teams about the journey they've gone through, Mm. how they've made changes, and then therefore what they expect of their teams starts to shift a little bit. And actually there's a lot more empathy. So you will need more health coaches. (laughs) I don't want to do myself out of a job. But that doesn't, I don't think it comes to the point where everybody has their own health coach. I think it's it's one of many solutions that the companies can have. As we're, we're coming towards the end, Joe, a couple of questions I always ask. Starting off, we, so we touched upon books just now, and you told me about how many books you read a year. Is there, what book has maybe moved you most in the last few years? I did mention I have such a weird and wonderful taste in books. I've read a couple recently that I guess spring to mind. The first one, which I just finished, was the Billy Connolly autobiography, (laughs) Windswept and Interesting. And I didn't know much about him at all, apart from that he was Billy Connolly. (laughs) And I just found his life fascinating there was so much stuff I didn't know from being a welder and being in the paras and all of that kind of stuff and his kind of Parkinson's but just his attitude to life I thought was absolutely fabulous you kind of like what devil may care 
<laughs> what was it that made you read it in the first place? I bought it for my husband for Christmas and he hasn't got around to reading it yet. So I read it first. It was there and I thought I'll pick that up next and I'll read it. I'm, I'm quite open to reading most things. The other one that springs to mind that stayed with me a little bit is Roots by Alex Haley. I think that's how you pronounce his surname. And my friend of mine, Phil, recommended I read it. When the George Floyd thing happened, there was a lot of discussion online about educating ourselves and what we can do and all of that kind of thing. And my friend Phil recommended I read that book. It is a mahusive book. It is a very fat book to read. Mm. But I found, firstly, there was a lot of stuff I didn't realise about the slave trade. It was heartbreaking. It was anger-inducing. It was a very emotional book to read, actually. And it was a book that I do think about quite a lot. It's just stayed with me. And I read it probably about a year and a half ago. So lots of reasons. It evoked quite a lot of emotion in me, that book. If people want to find out more about you, maybe there's a CEO wants you to work with his company, how would they get in touch with you? A website is always a good place. We have a website, very official. www.suretycoaching.com is where you can find us. Email me, joanna at suretycoaching.com. I'm on the usual socials, Facebook, LinkedIn, all of those places, any of them. I find that there's about 500 ways to get in touch with people nowadays. (laughs) Whichever way takes your fancy, ping me on one of them. (laughs) And and to finish, Joe, is is there a quotation that, that resonates with you for any reason? There's a quote I often say to people, and I don't know where it comes from, and I'm sure I don't think anyone has ever laid claim to it because it's not it's not one of the things you get on Instagram, but nothing happens as fast as we'd like. And I think that's true of most areas of our lives, whether that's watching the kettle boil or getting fitter. I think when I, when I have people start working with me, they're really motivated, right. and so they want to see change really quickly. But sometimes change takes a bit of care and attention Mm. and a bit of discipline and a bit of effort and I think when you're ready to make change you want to feel it straight away you want to see immediate results which is why the diet industry does so well but I think if you're working towards that feeling that's the best way to look at it it won't happen as quickly as you want it won't miraculously just change unlikely sometimes it might I don't know but I'm, re- I'm rarely seeing it. You do one thing once and the whole world changes for you. That's another thing that really springs to mind. And that's something I have to remind myself of my own business as well. <laughs> it's been a pleasure. So thank you for, for the last what, 50 minutes and sharing your experience and wisdom. It's been really good. So thank you. No, it's been good fun. I probably talk too much. I can't help myself. <laughs> Next week, episode 77 with Rick Olderman. He's a sports and orthopaedic physical therapist with more than 25 years experience in and specialising in helping people with chronic pain and helping them to experience a pain-free life. And we, we discuss what is pain and how many people go about treating or just kind of treating the, the symptoms rather than trying to establish what is the root cause. And so Rick explains how he goes about finding a root cause so that it doesn't just keep coming back. Because when you only treat the symptoms, it never goes away. It just it, you, you cure it temporarily. You don't cure it. You just sort of help to stop the pain temporarily, but it's going to come back again. So yeah, we go into to pain, 
how he got into doing that. He traveled around the world for quite a while before doing all of that. And so that's next week, episode 77 with Rick Olderman. Thanks for tuning into the Habits and Health Podcast, where we believe creating healthy habits should be easy. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review on your favorite podcast app. You can also sign up for email updates and learn about coaching and workshop opportunities at TonyWinyard.com. See you next time on the Habits and Health Podcast.